we're recording. Welcome to the Creepy Girls Podcast. You can't see it on your end, but we've elevated to fancier levels here. We finally got things to work. We have two different microphones, which we actually had before, but we couldn't get it to work. But with a can-do attitude and YouTube, you can make anything happen. (laughs) We're actually not sharing a mic. It's pretty magical. I'm not weirdly close to your face, which is great. Hopefully we can hear you now because before it was like we couldn't hear you because you didn't feel comfortable enough to get close to my face. (laughs) That's because it was two inches from your face. Yeah. And also it'll make editing so much easier because you are so soft spoken and I am so loud (laughs) Mm -hmm. that it causes issues when we go to record. (laughs) And so I try to edit your levels and I have to bump up your sound and take down my voice. So it's just a difference in personalities. Anyways, I'm Shanna. I'm Kaylee. And uh, we are the Creepy Girls, running the Creepy Girls podcast. We accidentally, not intentionally, but we accidentally have murders again this week. <laughs> we did we did a ghost, we, we did one of our ghost campfire stories, but now this week we have more murders because why not? It sounds like a good idea. I mean, duh. I did find some cool conspiracy theories for next week. Oh, I have the best. Okay, I well, have the best. I don't know about that. But anyways, I have some conspiracies. I also found some ghost stories, but I think I'm going to stick with this uh today's murder. Actually, to be honest with you, when I decided to do this story, I I thought to myself, "Okay, I've spent many hours researching this, and now I think it may be too awful." <laughs> for a second episode (laughs) like our listeners could be like oh i really like this pod never mind no 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 this is too much yeah i i watch four documentaries on this case binging it yeah well on this one i was just like you know they actually had this um documentary and it was a guy it wasn't johnny cash but he sounded just like johnny cash i'll play it for you he sounded just like johnny cash and he's like well you know it was like i was like john is johnny cash narrating this documentary but i don't know i am doing the girl scout murders and i'm doing the memphis three which technically yours is about murders and mine is about wrongly convicted persons of interest. Mine makes me want Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> it's all, Look it's, at your nearest Kroger. No, it's almost time for Girl Scout cookies, but I'm on keto, so I can't have Girl Scout cookies. So that's my infinite sadness. But anyways, murder should not make you want cookies. So this is a problem and I'm dealing with it. <laughs> I am doing the Girl Scout cookies. You just said you're doing the Girl Scout cookies. Oh. I wish I was doing the Thin Mints. <laughs> and I, I don't like lemonades. We all know Samoas are the best. Which they Samoas? Re- renamed them Samoas. Um, or, no, they renamed them something other than Well, Samoas. it's a regional thing. So they're either called Caramel Delights or they're called Samoas, depending on what part of the country you live in. They are the second best they are not the best. Thin Mint is obviously the best. 
thanks a lot is a waste of calories. Are you talking about the ones that are just plain biscuits? Yeah. They're like shortbread. They're, the lemonades gross me the out. The lemonades are gross. I don't like them. They tried to do a gluten-free last time and they tasted awful. I couldn't even the eat texture them. texture thing with gluten. It was so dry and there was no flavor and I appreciate them trying, but it was not good. They said they have a new one and I'm very intrigued to see the new gluten-free. However, I can't eat it, so... You know, it's the worst gluten-free item. What? Crackers. Well... Crackers. They're always... Like rocks. You get what you get. But anyways, uh, enough about Girl Scout cookies because I want to eat them. I I actually may do a a Facebook poll for the Girl Scout murders. What's your favorite Girl Scout cookie? (laughs) (laughs) So do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I'm trying to think of how to introduce my case. Okay, well, I'll start then. I picked the Girl Scout murders, which is terrifying and... Like I said, this podcast went from zero to a hundred so fast. Like it, it got real, real quick. So I almost backed out of this one, but then I did it. I don't know why. If you're into the morbid, this is for you. Uh, it took place on June 13th of 1977. So we're talking, you know, 40 years ago uh, at a Girl Scout camp in Oklahoma. Camp Scout was actually... In 77, it had been around for like almost 50 years. Uh, It was started in 1928 and they use the money from cookie sales to help buy this land in Oklahoma. And it was a camp for Girl Scouts. Okay. So anyways, they're all getting ready. I have to preface this because two months before these murders happened, they should have known something was wrong. Uh, Because the counselors were all in the camp training two months before. You know know how teachers have in-services? Yeah. And they go in and they get, like, trained beforehand. Here's where the Mm -hmm. camps are. Here's where the showers are. That's what you do with counselors, too. For, like, this situation, you do this for this situation. Yeah, and also, here's how we're going to feed the kids. Here's Mm -hmm. how this is going to happen. So, anyways, counselors went. One of the counselors went into her tent one night, and she found that had been ransacked tent we are oh no no they're in tents there's no buildings yeah okay you don't buy 10 was it 10 acres it's 10 acres of land and it was i don't remember how many acres it was a lot of land yeah they in oklahoma they built these wooden platforms imagine like a wooden is it like an a-frame well okay so it was like a wooden platform imagine like something that you would build to put a playhouse on Mm -hmm. or something. It was a little bit elevated. So it wasn't on the ground and it was on a wooden platform. And then they would make a cloth tent on top of the wooden platform. And so she goes into her tent and she finds it's ransacked. Right. And she had this box of donuts and all of the donuts were taken. And she was like, seriously? So you would think animals, but then there was a note inside and the note that they left It was a handwritten note and it said that they were going to kill three kids at the camp. They vowed they were going to kill three campers. And And they also had this little kids. Yeah. They actually had this little, like he made like a little noose and a little, like, like a little rope voodoo looking rope. I I don't know what it was, but so yeah, uh, the literal words were, we are on a mission to kill three girls in tent one. And so the person saw the note, saw her donuts were gone. The, the note was longer than that. And it actually went off on some tangent. 
And it started talking about aliens and like crazy stuff. So the counselors, they all discarded it as a prank. They said, whatever, it's some kind of joke. They took your donuts. It was a joke. Ha ha ha. So, I mean, that's like saying a bombing note's a joke at a school. Yeah. You still take it seriously because it's still children and it's still death. Yeah. You know. it, it was, they didn't take it seriously. Let's fast forward two months. And... The kids are all on the buses to come to camp. And one by one, the buses are coming in and they are unloading into their tents. Now, the tent that was farthest away from all of the counselors. Farthest or furthest? Farthest. Did I mix the words together? No. Yeah, it was the farthest. Hang on. It was the furthest. Furthest? Yeah. The camp... (laughs) I was like, the camp was set up where there was a lot of space in between Mm -hmm. all of the tents. And the furthest tent from all of the counselors was um, tent number eight. And tent number eight was called Kiowa. I think I'm pronouncing that wrong, but I'm going to go with it. Kiowa. K-I-O-W-A. Kiowa. Anyways, Eh, they were all named after like Native American tribes. Which, by the way, did you know that? You know, all of our uh, assault helicopters are named after tribes that we kind of, like, demolished. Oh. Like Apache. How festive. (laughs) It's really weird. Yeah, that's disturbing. Hey, we almost slaughtered their whole tribe. Let's just go ahead and since they don't really... All of the helicopters are named after... We'll name a plane after them. We'll name a helicopter after them. So all of the the little paths were named like Cookie Trail and like stuff. And all of the tents were named after like Native American tribes. It was very like festive, you know. But anyways, so 140 scouts unloaded into this camp. Okay. And so there were, there were usually four campers to a tent. But in the furthest tent, there was some issue where they put the fourth girl in a wrong tent. Like some kind of um, clerical error. They put her in the wrong tent. So there were three girls in tent number eight, the furthest from everyone. And it was actually a little bit partially blocked by, you couldn't see it because there were showers in front of it. So it was partially blocked. So you could see all the tents Mm -hmm. pretty easy, except for that one was just partially blocked. And so they were behind the showers. Uh, Have you ever been to a campground where there are showers in a camping ground? It's really actually quite scary because you go into the bathroom area and it's a cylindrical, like cylinder type thing. You walk around and there's the bathrooms, but all the way that you're walking around it is just open cloth um, showers. So anyone can just walk in and be hiding in it. It's, if I don't you, like going If you think that's scary, like that. you're about to be traumatized. Because <laughs> so. that's the same ones that are at the Lake Houston Wilderness Park. So if you think that's scary, you're about to be really traumatized. I'm really sorry. Um, (laughs) So all 140 scouts unloaded. So it wasn't the first full day of camp. Like they were just getting there, you know. But around 7 p.m., a really bad thunderstorm rolled in. Like horrible thunderstorm. Everybody went in their tents. Nobody was out. And I think they ate and they went in their tents for the night because the thunderstorm was so bad, no one could do anything. So that thunderstorm hit around 7 p.m. It went all night long. Now, there were things that happened in the middle of the night. But first, let me tell you who was in the tent. The three Girl Scouts that were in the tent. The first one was named Lori Lee Farmer. 
and she was eight years old. The second one was Michelle Heather Gousset, and she was nine. And then there was Doris Denise Milner, who was 10. They're all huddled in the tent. They're scared to death, right? So at 6 a.m., a counselor leaves super early in the morning to go take her shower because she said, if I don't, if I don't wake up at 6 a.m., I won't have any warm water because so many people are mm -hmm. going to shower that it's going to be freezing cold water. She thought she was going to, you know, cut in line. So she is walking and she sees a weird thing about a hundred and about, about a hundred, maybe 150 miles, uh, miles. Oh my gosh. Yards. Yards. About a hundred. So she sees something about 150 yards from tent number eight. I want to know how like a little girl knew it was like a hundred yards. Well, they measured it later on, but a distance from the tent, mm -hmm. she sees this thing and she goes to look and it's a body. She sees the body of a little girl and then she's freaking out. She sees two more sleeping bags. So she runs and gets someone. They're, they're freaking out. They walk over to the sleeping bags. They're praying that it's just a crumpled sleeping bag. When they pick them up, they can feel the weight, weight. of a body inside the sleeping bag. Now, one body was exposed. The other two were in the sleeping bag. Zipped all the way And up. they said when they opened them, it just looked like the little girls were asleep. And they would pray, and then they'd touch them, and then they were gone. Anyways, yeah, they said that when they picked up the sleeping bags, the weight, like, they felt like they were going to puke. Because, like, they knew there was a body inside. But the, only one of them was uncovered, which was super duper weird. So, in the middle of the night, the counselor who was actually going to shower... She heard something about 3 a.m., uh, about 1.30 a.m. in the morning. She heard a commotion. She said it was a very guttural sound. She thought it was an animal. And she said that she went outside and took her flashlight, you know, looked in the trees with her flashlight, and she saw a flashlight. But when she was shining her flashlight in the trees, the flashlight would turn off. And if she turned off her flashlight and she waited a few minutes, it would come back on. And she was like, no one's supposed to be out and about right now. So she didn't know what to do. She thought it was an animal, which makes no sense to me because how would an animal have a flashlight? She said once she saw the flashlight, she didn't know what to do. She just went back to bed. I mean, I, I wouldn't go yell at someone as a counselor because I mean, if you're a counselor, you're, you're in you're charge. You're expecting a little kid, but at the same time, I'm like, I know too much. Uh, uh. But it, but if you're a counselor, you're signing up for mm -hmm. the responsibility to, to take care of little kids to be in charge. So she did nothing. And then another person around, it wasn't a counselor. It was a, just a regular scout around 3 a.m., she heard someone crying and asking for their mommy, saying, mommy, mommy. And she just thought it was a kid in another tent that woke up, didn't know where they were, realized they weren't home, was crying for their mommy because they were young and missed their, their mommy. Never once thought that something was wrong. Just thought, oh, that kid's a wuss, can't handle one night of being away from their parents, you know? So no one did anything. Everyone failed these children. The bodies were left on Cookie Trail, which was 150 feet, or sorry, 150 yards from tent number eight. How they were killed was very upsetting. The three little girls were raped, bludgeoned, and strangled. Ah, jumped. No steep. Yeah, it, yeah. So Lori Lee Farmer was bludgeoned. So was Michelle Gousset. 
Doris Denise Milner was actually strangled. So how, the, the question is, how do you kill them in different ways? If there's one of you and three of them, well, the thought process is this was more than one person. Or he strangled the first girl thinking it would be quiet, freaked out, bludgeoned both the other girls. Or he bludgeoned the first two girls and then grabbed the third one and strangled them since the other two were not, were, you know, like taken care of. He could spend, yeah, but it takes, loud. it takes longer to strangle somebody than it does to bludgeon them. Yeah, but it's much quieter. I mean, quieter. you have to, not you if you're fighting. stay quiet. Not if you're fighting. Uh, but anyway, so the clues they found were there was a large red flashlight that was not, that no one brought, that there was a fingerprint on that they couldn't get anything from. There were shoe prints in the ground. They were size nine and a half male. That's a small foot. It's a small foot for a man. Okay. They also had DNA evidence on the pillows and the sleeping bags. Uh, if you know what I mean about DNA evidence, and I said the word rape. Yeah, gross. That's disgusting. Uh, and there was also one single hair, and it had the attributes of being a Native American, like a very thick, coarse brown hair that didn't belong to any of the girls. Lori was blonde. I'm trying to remember. Like, they, it, it wasn't one of the girls' hair. They mm-hmm. eliminated that. I'm assuming that these are all female counselors because it's Girl Scouts. Yes, and the Boy Scout camp was actually right down the road. Okay. And nobody bothered the Boy Scout camp. Nobody Terrible. touched them. And they didn't even evacuate it. Now, they evacuated Camp Scott. And they actually shut it down forever. It opened in 28, and this year was the last year it was ever open because no one ever went back. They evacuated it. Everyone's freaking out. I actually feel really horrible for the parents. And let me explain why. The parents weren't told what happened. They said there was an accident. When people found out that someone had died. The parents didn't know if their kids were dead until they got there. And then the parent, the three victims' parents, they weren't told they were murdered. They were told there was an accident. They were told that they were killed. They weren't explained, hey, I mean, because, I mean. They're thinking, oh, my kid was attacked by a mountain lion or like a bear. They were doing the, yeah, some, some kind they of animal. They fell down a hill or They something. slipped in like, yeah, on the rope swing and they hurt. drowned. Something yeah. that they could reason with, understand with, not something that they could. There's a difference between, yeah. you know, doing something in Girl Scouts and, and dying, doing an activity and mm-hmm. being, being raped and bludgeoned and strangled. There's a huge yeah. difference. So anyways, the parents weren't told anything and they weren't being given any updates. So there was a 10-month manhunt for their suspect. They believed it was Gene Leroy Hart. And this guy was bad news. He was an escaped inmate from the Mays County Jail. He escaped four years prior. He had been on the loose for four years. And he was originally in jail for kidnapping and raping two pregnant women. And he also... He had served his time for that, and then he was actually back in jail for four counts of first-degree burglary. Now, I can see both sides of this, because they thought they, they knew exactly who did it. Mm-hmm. Native American hair, blah, well, blah, 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 blah. So but, how did they tie it to him? Well, the Native American hair, and he also, he grew up, he was raised one mile from Camp Scott. Okay. So that sense. was where his home was. Mm-hmm. They also... They were, you know, doing a manhunt across the land and they found these little caves and the caves, the caves had his stuff in it, plus stuff from the camp. 
stuff from the girl's tent. So they found caves mm-hmm. with his stuff and okay, with the yeah. kid's stuff. That makes more sense. With the Native American hair. When you say kid, do you mean the counselor or do you mean the actual small the little children? Girls, the girls that he okay. killed. Then that's really understandable and why he would be. A suspect? Yeah, exactly. He had the kidnapping from 1966. He got out in 69 and put on parole. Within three months, he was back in jail for burglary, and then he escaped, and he was out on the loose for four years, and all of the Native Americans would hide him. And he he, uh, he eluded the law for four years. And when they were on the manhunt, it took 10 months to find him because the Native American community was doing the same thing. They were hiding him. Yeah. They, they thought that he was innocent and he was getting mm-hmm. persecuted because they were picking on him because he's a native. Yeah, and, and they're like, no, 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 that's not at all. So anyways, like I said, they found evidence in a cave three miles from Camp Scott with photos that were hearts, plus stuff from the girls' camps, the, the tents. Anyways, so he was raised one mile from Camp Scott. Once they caught him, he was tried two years after the murder, and he was actually acquitted. They couldn't find, they, they, they didn't have enough evidence to convict him without a reasonable doubt. This is before DNA. This is way before DNA. So he actually went back to jail, though, for his original crime. He still had 305 years to serve of a 308-year sentence. Yeah, he'd only been in for three years. He still had 305 years, pretty much life, to serve in jail. So he was, so two months after being back in jail, he's, he's, you know, his, his crime, he's been acquitted of it. He's back in jail for the burglaries. Two months, he's lifting weights and jogging outside in the, in the prison yard. And he died of a heart attack. Of a, I I was waiting for like, he oh, died. he's a child murderer. I'm going to murder him in the no. yard. Well, I mean, well. That's what I expected. Someone may have, but he died, quote unquote, of a possible heart attack while he was lifting weights and he he was jogging. He's, he's working that out. That sounds like drugs being inside the prisons. It, it's it's suspicious because this guy wasn't that old. So anyways, he, he got acquitted because they failed to realize there was probably at least a second person. They're saying another male, possibly a female, because they did find female DNA that they couldn't link to the girls. He got away with it and then immediately died. But there's also somebody out there that had to have helped him because their biggest, I think their biggest argument was that his foot wasn't a nine and a half. Conspiracy. How old are these counselors? They're all real young. They're all really young? Could they, Mm. I don't know if they Back then, they couldn't calculate an age on a hair. Yeah, no. And, and DNA evidence is real preliminary. Uh, they actually went back uh, very, very recently, and they tried to get the DNA evidence and mm-hmm. use modern technology to link him after death to the crimes. Kind of. Well, it's too deteriorated. They tried to run it, I think, twice, and it, it deteriorates. The of it. Yeah, it deteriorates over time, and they, they, couldn't, they couldn't say without a doubt that it was him, but they also couldn't say that it wasn't him. Mm -hmm. And I think, like I said, I believe the biggest argument they had was that he didn't wear size nine and a half size shoes. So how were their size nine and a half footprints? I'm trying to think of the conversion to women's shoes. Um, that would have been an 11, 11 11 and a half women's. 
So, I mean, it was a really big foot. But also, it was a campground and people were loading and unloading. So, mm-hmm. how did they... anyone's footprint. How are they so sure that it was... That was the right footprint? But he also... There's, they and said, also, it could have been one of the female counselors. They said it's very, very unlikely that he subdued three girls without help. Three against one without help. And they just don't know who the other person was. So, anyways... In 1989, they were unable to eliminate heart in the DNA. It was inconclusive. Uh, And then they used modern technology in 2008. They raised a whole bunch of money and they tried to test the DNA on the pillowcases, but they said it was inconclusive. And at this point, the DNA was just deteriorated. So to, to this day, this crime is considered unsolved. The parents are super, I mean, like they're 70s, 80s. And they're, they're 70 or 80 years old, and they're still begging for justice. Richard Gousset, he helped pass the Oklahoma Victims Bill of Rights and the Oklahoma Crime Victims Compensation Board. Uh, he did this because during the investigation, they were so panicked and hushed-hush that the victim's parents didn't even get information they needed. Like, they weren't told anything. They felt ignored. They were so worked up about trying to save the face of the organization that they didn't even, like, give the information about their own kids. So he, he definitely fought for victims' rights. And then Sherry Farmer, uh, she, she founded the Oklahoma Parents of Murdered Children Support Group, which is still really active today. Because all of these parents were not properly informed. To this day, it is still unsolved. Um, but here's a little a little thing here. Camp Scott has never been used since, except for people hunt on the grounds. And now that people go hunting on the grounds, because you can rent it out to go hunting. Mm-hmm. Probably like a... Like a hunting lease type thing. Yeah, like you know, um, I don't know. Deer lease. I don't know what animals are up there, but like mm-hmm. think deer, dove, that, that that kind of stuff. You know, basic hunters. Um, they claim that there's ghost experiences of the girls. That is super duper haunted because how traumatic it was. Mm-hmm. They say the three girls are still there. So now not only do regular hunters go, but ghost, ghost hunters. hunters. And they say when you go there, it's extremely eerie because they said that some of the platforms are still standing some of the the old structures the where the tents were at and all these places they're still there and and it's the ghost hunting's insane there they said because of how like just with with all of the the trauma the energy there is crazy so there's a lot of ghost sightings and experiences with the three girls also they say that the native americans were so angry that they were targeting heart that they put a curse on the canine dogs. So they had three, like, sniffing dogs. Canine sniffing dogs, you know? Trying to find the dog. Yeah, tracking dogs. And they were trying to find him in the caves, in the land, uh, while he was on the run for 10 months. And they say that the natives put a curse on the dogs so that they wouldn't find him. Well, one died of a heat stroke. A second dog suddenly dashed out unexpectedly. This is a trained dog dashed out in the road and was hit by a car. Only one dog survived. And they said it was because the Cherokee cursed the dogs and the investigation. Put a curse on humans, not dogs. Yeah. Well, they didn't want the dogs. So anyways, it's very interesting. It's a very interesting story. And it's one of those that we, I don't know if they'll ever be solved because the person who did it's probably dead. The girls are all gone. There's no DNA left. The only way it's going to be solved is someone comes out and actually 
confesses yeah. to There's one person out there that probably helped. We'll never know. The counselors are in their, who knows, 60s now. The parents are almost 80. Like, it, it may never be solved. We'll just never know what happens. So, the Girl Scout murders is terrifying. And I think it definitely changed how the Girl Scouts did things. I know that that camp was gone forever. There's a really, really sad part of the documentary where it talks about how one of these little girls didn't want to go to camp, didn't want to go to camp, didn't want to leave her family. And her mom convinced her to go to camp, spend one night there. And if she didn't like it, she could call her mom and her mom would come get her. She didn't even make it one night. Yeah, that's heartbreaking. It's horrible. So, like I said, this podcast went from zero to 100 extremely quick. I can't handle child murders, so I'm actually really shocked by the fact that it's, like, we need to talk about these crimes because these are real things that really happened. Mm-hmm. And you can't pretend that it didn't happen and everything's fine. Yeah. you got to talk about them because if it's not going to be solved, these victims need to be remembered, you know? So, that's how I feel. That's why I you did You know, it. the more energy that's put out there, the more resources put towards it, the more focus gets from it more sharing more commenting more conspiracies did you know about this uh no not at all um if sophie ever wanted to join girl scouts and wanted to go to camp oh, i'd be like uh no. i'm staying in your tent i'm not leaving You're like you. hello i am your counselor this you want to go camp in the backyard this is back in the day when people would hitchhike they'd send their kids off to camp and like didn't care and they said that this is when parents started fearing camps and like leaving their children because back in the day you just open the door and your kids would run outside and they come in when it was dark you didn't care you didn't worry and you just this is when the time started changing when camps mm-hmm. weren't safe weren't, weren't a safe way to get rid of your kids for the summer and you know this was two week long camp that didn't last 24 hours this is the beginning of the end of those times you know when parents didn't feel safe having their kids out of their sight Far away. Far away like, with strangers who you're supposed to be able to trust, but you can't trust anybody. There, there wasn't even adults, really, were there? There should have been probably a counselor in every There should tent. have been an adult. There should have been, I don't know, someone there to protect them. I would think there would have been, like there a, would have been a counselor in every tent. You think they tent. would have, like, called a police officer to stay on campus just to make nothing. sure? It was pitch black Because it nothingness. is in a regional area where there was a missing criminal there was a there was there's a convicted a criminal for, yeah for four years and he was a this, rapist already yeah this this inmates on the loose hey i want to go to camp in this big dark desolate i want to know where these kids are from are they from texas oklahoma. they're they're all from they said oklahoma. they're pretty much all from oklahoma yeah these and poor they, kids didn't stand a chance no it's so they're in sad. the middle of the woods and there was no counselor, and they were the furthest tent. They were the easiest targets. I feel so bad. Anyways, all right. So let's go to yours. Let's. I hope it's more cheerful than mine. <laughs> it's not. It doesn't get better. Oh no. This is this is our new motto. It gets worse. <laughs> it doesn't get better. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. <laughs> it doesn't get better. Hope Spoil- you're enjoying your commute. <laughs> Spo- spoiler alert! It doesn't get better. <laughs> uh, my crime is the Memphis Three. This is, you know, that's how it is having twins. Hey, they're so cute. It doesn't get better. They're all, oh, no, because they always make excuses. They're like, okay, once you get past the infant stage, it's not that bad. No. Once you get past the toddler stage. Once they start sleeping in their own beds, it doesn't get better. No. no, no. <laughs> Nothing gets better. No. 
Anyways, okay, continue, continue. And so the Memphis Three is the murder of three eight-year-old boys, Stevie Branch, Michael Moore, and Christopher Byers. So we're all killing three kids today. Yeah. The weird part is that they were Boy Scouts. Okay. We didn't discuss this with each other. We didn't talk about that at all. (laughs) No, that's actually very strange. They're all Boy Scouts, and they were last seen... Okay, what are the odds of that happening? Really weird. That's really weird. How old were your kids? Eight? Um, eight, nine, and ten. That's really weird. How old were these kids? Eight. They're three eight-year-old okay, boys. that's weird. That's weird. But they were last seen playing together at Stevie Branch's stepfather's house, Terry Hobbs. And then at 7 p.m., they were reported missing by... Christopher Byers' father, John Mark Byers. He just goes by Mark Byers. He didn't go home or something? Like, the kids they didn't, didn't come, come home. home they and... went to Robin Hood Hill. Hmm. And that's a normal place where they go play and they go to the creek and stuff like that. They just run around because this is West Memphis, Arkansas, which if you Hill, don't know. Hills and Hill mountains. country. And it's, it's what, 1993? Yes. Okay, it's in the 90s. So. It's in the 90s, you know. Just let your kids go play outside. It's the country. There's no one bad. Go play blah, on blah, that hill. Blah. Go go play in the hill, which the hill is right next to a creek. Oh, no. Yeah. But this <laughs> hill in the creek is surrounded by woods. But it's, like, right by the house. So they searched and they searched. But then the search ended early, which the parents were frustrated by. Because it's three eight-year-old boys. Stay up all night searching for them. And so the next day... Yeah, the longer... The longer every hour that goes by with a missing person, you're less likely to find them alive. Within 24 hours. Yeah. If you don't find them within 24 hours, it's super, super rare like a to find chance. them alive. Every hour is valuable. Especially the younger they are. That's crazy. So they just stopped looking? And so they just stopped looking when it got relatively late. Like, I think they said it was 10 p.m. when they called off the search. And so in the morning, they called the search back on, and a parole officer for the nearby prison helped in the search and he came up on robin hood hill and so he saw a floating tennis shoe in the Mm. creek and so he went down there and he slipped going down the hill and he went to pick up the tennis shoe and when he did he was slipping and he got caught on the dead bodies wait hang on hang on were the dead bodies there the night before and they missed them or when they called off the search it was estimated that they were murdered around do you believe it was 11 p.m.? So they waited for the search to go off, and then they came back. Oh, my God. It was estimated that they were killed between the times of 8 and 11, or 8 and midnight. So at some point, they called off the search, and that's when they killed them. Yep. If they would have kept looking. Oh, Lord. And so these three-year-old boys were naked. Three-year-old, eight-year-old. Uh, three eight-year-olds. Yeah. I don't know why I said that. Well, um, eight looks like three if you erase the front part. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, Shanna. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, they were all hogtied using tennis shoelaces. They're naked. And what? they were in the water. Tied together. <gasps> they were tied together. Hogtied and tied together by their own shoelaces. <gasps> oh, I don't like this episode at all. No, <laughs> I don't, no, no. I don't like our, <laughs> our stories are too upsetting. I needed you to balance this out, Kaylee. You're not balancing this yeah, out. Yeah, I'm sorry. It doesn't get much better. It gets worse. <laughs> um, there were no real signs of, like, sexual assault, although they assumed that's the point. But they've why been sitting they be in water. Naked? They're like, why were you naked? Well, that compromises the DNA when you're in the water. Yeah, exactly. All the DNA like, evidence is... Well, we can't prove that they weren't sexually assaulted, but there's no 
proof of that. Yeah. But at the time, all of them died of drowning, except for one. Well, if they're hogtied tied together, they can't swim. So if they're tied together and thrown into water, how are they supposed to save themselves? They mm-hmm. drown. But one didn't. One died of blood loss. Oh. And the only knife injury that they really saw was to his genitalia. Oh, no. His scrotum. Kaylee, don't say scrotum. Bites marks in it. I just threw it from my mouth. Technically, could not say bite or knife. It was just, there was deep lacerations and his uh, was uh, gone. uh, It was gone? Gone. That was Christopher Byers. Oh, God. And mm-hmm. but that was that the only one it was done to? That was the only one. Poor kid. And so they died of multiple injuries and drowning. Well. Except for that one. Oh. Well, that's a buzzkill. Yeah. And so at this time, they really had no DNA. They had nothing. Well, this they is the no 90s and, and DNA was so new. No. They collected a couple of things, but not really. They didn't have any information. Well, when you're put in the water... It really compromises mm-hmm. the DNA. Like, part of it washes off, and then yeah. you can't trust what's part of the water and what's part of, mm-hmm. you know, you can't tell. But it was a very traumatic thing. You can watch the documentary, which mm. is uh, Paradise Lost, and you can... They recorded off the news the parents finding out that their kids are dead. You saw the mom say, your son's dead, and she screams and hits the floor. You, they, that's... Well, that is against journalistic uh integrity in my books that's not ethical like you have to inform the families but you can't record them getting notified of the death that's terrible shame on them i recently watched an episode of like forensic files or something and they were talking about how the reporter came to their house and said how do you feel about your your kid being killed and the parent hadn't been told by police yet I remember that. I don't know. Yes. And I don't remember what it was. And the journalist said that the, she broke down and started freaking out. Mm-hmm. And they recorded the footage. And the news station loved it because it was so, like, intense. And, I mean, the ratings went through the roof. Mm-hmm. And the journalist actually quit and stopped being a reporter because she said it was so against her integrity. And it was so upsetting that she could not keep reporting knowing that, that she that's, had that's what people loved yeah. to watch on TV. And that's what her station wanted her to do. And they were thrilled by it. She couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, they recorded all the families finding out in the middle of the street. That's just... They were standing in the street while everyone was searching. And then they just yelled it out that they found bodies. It's terrible. And so they started investigating, but they really didn't have anyone to bring in. So I think it was around a month after the crimes happened that they took in... A random, just a random, I believe he was 16. No, he was 17. His name is... A teenager? Yeah, just a teenager. Oh. His name's Jesse Miss Kelly. And he, he is a very low IQ. So if you know making a murder, yeah, these people are convinced that they did the crime or something. Mm-hmm. They're interrogated improperly and they're told these things... Where they're repeated, like, did you use a knife to do it? Or did you use a gun? And they keep interrogating them and yelling at them and yelling at them. And their IQ is so low that they think it would be easier to confess. Just then they, they just say do. they yeah. did not do it. 
Yeah, there's a there's a manipulation factor in there, and if you are it's called coercion, if you have a low IQ, you can be easily manipulated into saying something or giving a false confession. So I can get I get that. And so this kid says, "All right, I did it. I did it, but I didn't do much of it. It was Damien Eccles, which was the." Basically, the goth kid of the tiny small town. So he picked and so the he wore token all black, goth. and he had long black hair, and he listened to heavy metal, and blah 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 blah, and like Marilyn Manson. He and was an easy scapegoat. Is what you're everyone saying. said around town that he was satanic, and so they thought the injury to Christopher Byers was a satanic ritual for blood. I like how you pointed at the crotchal region. Oh, I didn't, you didn't want me to say it on there, okay? <laughs> she pointed at her crotchal region. I did not. I went like this. It's a she circle. She circled around the crotchal region. <laughs> and so he basically said that Damien and Damien's best friend Jason did it. And that he just helped tie them up. And then he helped eventually lead to their murders. And he's not friends with these people. He barely knows them. It's from high school. And so Jason's 16. Damien's 18. Damien has a pregnant girlfriend, and apparently he has a, a lot of girlfriends that came out during, like, the investigation, which is awkward. Well, I can commiserate, because I had so many boyfriends and in high school. I'm kidding. Fans. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. And so, it's basically, they convict these people with no evidence, only for the fact of that one confession. Confessions are not accurate, though. Mm-hmm. Like, they say that witness testimony and false confessions are so bad that you need to go with real hard evidence and not circumstantial evidence. Because it's so easy to be like, I thought I saw him, I know I saw him, and be wrong when the DNA evidence and the actual facts don't lie. And also, you can't just pinpoint a murder on, well, there's a kid in town that wears black. That doesn't mean well, anything. Well, it's the Bible Belt in the 90s. Yeah. And so they're like, that one kid, which, by the way, Damien changed his name to Damien after an angel, apparently. He named himself Damien when he was uh, at a church camp. Okay, that's not going to go in his favor. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I know. The show's is a little unstable. <laughs> he does have mental illness, which led them to believe that he could do it, because he did say things was that there were slightly off. There's no proof. But no he evidence. did say, during interrogations, like, the killer would probably feel like this. Which we would we would say it too, but we would probably know not to say it. That's weird. But he did That's admit weird. that he had homicidal tendencies and suicidal thoughts. Okay, well, this is not therapy. This is a police investigation. Mm-hmm. So you probably His therapist need... released that. Oh. That's weird because that's not, they normally aren't supposed to say anything. Was there anybody else that may have actually done it? Was there? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I can go on to that. But anyways, these people are wrongly convicted. Eccles is sentenced to death. <gasps> wait, they sentenced... Wait, hang on. They sentenced him to the death penalty. Death based on... Nothing. Cir- nothing? Nothing. There's not even... Cir- no evidence. During the trial... Wow. It, it was more about, do you worship Satan? Are you a witch? They thought he was this a witch. This sounds like Bible Belt nonsense. They asked him what Wicca was. Are you a Wiccan? Do you... What's wicked? What does that have to do with murder? And since they tied it to that, they tied it to something like, did you draw this pentagram while in prison? 
And then that it was another one. That doesn't mean you murdered somebody. There was this code that he learned how to write with his best friend, Jason. Pig Latin. It, Not like No, no, no. <laughs> okay. It was some weird one. And so he learned how to write it in code. And he wrote his son's name on this piece of paper. And then he wrote Jason's name on this piece of paper. He wrote his own name. And then he wrote the name of this weird artist that did write a Santanic-esque book. But if he's not saying Satan made me kill these kids, no, I don't see how they're any like, of that has so to do with So why did you write his name? Because you only wrote significant names, like your best friend and your son's name. So why did you decide to write in code name this guy's name in prison? And he's like, I don't know. It just popped up in my head. He's like, Which I'm bored. Weird. I'm here for forever till I die. <laughs> like, and I mean... so he's sentenced to death. Jason McKelly is life plus two 20 years. Jason is life. The so, death shocks me without, with that without little evidence. Proof. Like, okay. So continue, continue. And at some point, Jason Miss Kelly tries to give a alibi, not an alibi, but like what time it happened. And he told people it happened at noon, which is not possible because the kids were in elementary school at noon. And they and died. So the cops time of death was 12 hours later. over that. And said, what time was it? Do you think it was around six? And he said, no, I think it was around noon. Which didn't make sense because kids are in school at noon. There's a huge difference between noon and 11 p.m. Like, murder. There's a difference. It's dark out and yeah, it's it wasn't midday. Him. It wasn't him. And there's another point in which they're like, so they interviewed a professor. And this is a professor of satanic and like cults. Guess what? This guy got his education off the internet and he had to take one class. One class to graduate, Shanna, and he got a fake PhD off the internet. And they used him to testify. Yeah. And then they said that the trial was misstrewed because someone got money from a documentary that was filmed about it. So who really did it? So they're going through and they keep filing... What's the word? They keep appealing. They keep Appeal. appealing, yeah, right? The appeals process. The appeals yeah. is saying, there was something wrong with my trial, let me have a retrial. So they said that that their lawyers could not properly represent them because they were getting a part of the money from the documentaries. Oh, that's a conflict of interest. The documentary came out in 1996 and Johnny Depp supported it. A whole bunch of musicians supported it. And so they started assuming, based off of the awkward documentary... That it had to be Mark Byers. Mark Byers, Wait, I do believe it was... that was the father, right? That was the father of Christopher Byers. And so... That was the one with bite marks. There's bite well, marks. I'm saying bite marks because I don't know what else to no, say. No, but there was a human bite mark on someone. There was. Okay. It was on one of the kids. There was a human bite mark. It wasn't in that area. It was just somewhere on a body. And so it was a human bite mark. And this guy, within... I think it was either six months or three months, got his entire mouth redone. <gasps> Wait, he, he had his veneers? teeth grind to stumps <gasps> and had new teeth. He got veneers put on. And he's like, I'll give you an imprint of my teeth. Oh, he's guilty. That's it. He's done. Uh -huh. He's guilty. But wait for it. The teeth don't lie. He refuses to take polygraphs. Why? And he is throwing well, a fit at these appeals and saying... 
blah, 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 and all these horrible stuff about the well, people. Well, I honestly, polygraphs are so not yeah. believable. Or, but he refuses to take DNA but tests back and stuff then, like that. in the 90s, like, everyone's like, oh, polygraphs and are then, real. His wife dies in mysterious cons, like <sighs> circumstances. Yeah, circumstances. There you go. His uh, wife just dies of like a drug overdose. How random! I mean, she was pretty insane to look with to like start. So, but I have so many questions. His wife dies in mysterious circumstances, and then he kind of just goes MIA. But then later. He is kind of cleared and he gets on the side of maybe it's not the people. And so everyone starts thinking it's Terry Hobbs, the last dude all three kids were seen with, the stepfather. And I think it's the stepfather of Stevie Branch. And this guy is so offended by everyone assuming that he is the guilty one that he attempted to sue the Dixie Chicks. Why did it, wait, hang on. Because she stood up and she said, I want someone like Terry Hobbs to be, you know, investigated. If you can investigate these, like, high school kids. And at the time, every time they appeal, they're coming right up on the date of Eccles. How were They're they, coming right on the date so, when so he's going to be. So what you're saying is that you're saying that the Dixie Chicks killed. were involved. You, you were saying that the Johnny Dixie Depp. Chicks were involved. Johnny Depp was involved. This became apparently like it was huge. a sensation across the country. Yeah, and Paradise Lost 2, another documentary, is all about the people who gathered and saw the first one and that they came to support because they were those weird kids in high school who would have gotten accused of doing it. Well, yeah, I mean, just because you wear black... If that was the case, I wear a lot of black and I must be doing crimes because don't blink your eyes at me. I know I, just because I can break into my own mother's house does not make me a criminal. Oh, what a noob. That's six months noob. ago. Oh, Lord. Anyways. Okay. So I'm sorry, but the guy who got veneers is the person in my book. Why did Hobbs get looked but at? But why did Hobbs attempt to sue the Dixie Chicks? Well, we're okay. just saying that he was guilty. Okay, honestly, but I'm not I, done. So libel and slander are real. And for him, it could be Terry Hobbs his... hair was found in the shoelaces of was it of his kids? The one that was his he was the stepfather. Just a kid? random shoelace was just his hair. Which kid's shoe? They didn't, they didn't say it was where it well, was they tied, were tied up knot? with their shoelaces. Where the oh, knot was, where it was tied. In a there knot? was a hair. Oh. Yeah. You didn't tell me that. No, I was trying to save it. That's a horse of a different color. <laughs> yeah. And so instead of going and dealing with Hobbs or reinvestigating and acquitting these people, the West Memphis police were so tired of the Memphis Three getting attention. And the idea behind Paradise Lost is that you're going to get these acquitted people and then they're going to sue the county, right? Imagine how much money they could sue the county for. Oh, More than it's worth. No. And so, in order for them to release these people from prison, which, by the way, days before he was uh, executed, like, countdowns, this guy didn't get out of prison until his kid was, like, 18. What? The kid was born... During okay, the trial. So he can he can actually sue for being for I mm -hmm. think it's wrongful incarceration. No, they can't sue for anything. 
Why? You know why? Because they took an Alfred plea. It was the only okay. thing they would offer on the table. Okay, I don't know what an Alfred an plea Alfred is. An Alfred plea means that they agree that the prosecutors have enough evidence to convict them. What? But they get to keep their innocence. And so they say that someone is guilty of the crime and they no longer have to find out who's guilty of the crime. And they also can't sue. So they lose their right to sue. That's awful. They maintain their innocence, and so they get out of jail the moment that they sign this Alfred plea. So it's like, do you want to keep fighting, or do you want a guaranteed way out of jail? And now the parents are upset, except for Terry Hobbs. Wow. Because no one has to get investigated, because they're still considered guilty of this crime. Wow. The people who wrote down that they, like, that it happened is that... Those three teenage boys killed them, or it's assumed, but it's an Alfred plea. So they maintain their innocence. Prosecutors say they have enough evidence to convict, but they decide that they're going to give up their right to fight so that they can get out of prison you after so many never, years. You could never convince me to stop fighting if I was truly innocent. You're but in I prison guess... for 18 years and you're not seeing a hope of chance? Someone says... All right, you can get out. You want out? Get out. But you have to agree to this. But wow. imagine those parents. No one's going to know what's going to happen. No one's being investigated because they finally got the chance to get out. And I don't blame them. Wow. But it does suck for the parents. I just, I can't see myself not fighting if I knew so for a so fact I didn't awkward do it. Because the whole documentary, you're like, oh, which by the way, this documentary... I like it. I like it a lot. But I will tell you, if you're very sensitive to things, uh, skip the first maybe five minutes of the film because they do literally show a video of the dead bodies. Oh, no. Uh-huh. No, Being no. pulled out. No, no. Mm, yeah. I can't so. handle real footage. <laughs> I'm like, well, I could have an adult maybe. Not a kid. There's like a next level like... Yeah, I can't do that. But there's, like, conspiracies that it was Mark Byers and Terry Hobbs. But you think they were they together? they hate each other. Oh. Well, they hate each other. But also, by the way, the, the bite marks on the uh, genitals was I'll actually... genitals. But they were trying to say that they needed a medical license to be able to perform a castration in the dark when it's wet outside and the kid's moving and not dead yet. That that person would have to be ultra strong and have a super sharp knife and even then this or medical examiner somebody yeah this medical examiner said like no i couldn't even do this and i have a medical license it was snapping turtles because it was in the shape snapping turtles it was in a certain shape of a mm. triangle and so in order to acquit these guys this redneck dude volunteered to get bit by this particular turtle oh, in that Lord. creek. Oh, no. And so no. he stuck out his oh, arm no. and let this giant... Oh, his arm? His just, arm? Just, and you could see him shake Wait, in pain. It was his arm? Yeah. Okay. I thought you were going to say no, he was no, 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 no. I was no. like, oh, loud. But you could see this guy shake in pain. And he's like... <sighs> he's like, all right, get it off me. Oh my god. And so you can see it and it matches the exact. My my brain went to the worst possible (laughs) situation. I'm like, oh, oh lord. Basically, they said this alligator probably thought it was a a piece of dead fish in the 
in the thing and started biting. So, well, what it's a not Santanic. The one part that they said was Santanic. Satanic. I can't say it. Santanic. They like Santanic. Carlos Santanic. <laughs> they like Carlos Santana a lot, and so they're Satanic. <laughs> <laughs> he's coming to the Houston rodeo. Oh no, he's not. Yes, he is. He is. He is Santana. Santana will. If you're Santanic, make sure you get rodeo tickets. <laughs> Sorry. But yeah. I'm not making fun of you because I mess like up a things weird all the time. Never-ending loop of what happened. So, th- so wait. So yours is technically unsolved? I mean, yes. So wait. Three dead kids. Eight years old. All scouts. In that eight-year-old range. In the South. Unsolved murders. We did really good for not talking to each other about what we were going to talk about. <laughs> so if you want to learn more about the Memphis Three, Paradise Lost. How terrible. <laughs> I tried to say how terrible, like, with the most, like, enthusiastic voice I could. <laughs> how awful. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God, Becky. Look at her murder. It is so bad. <laughs> That'd be bad if one of the girl's name was Becky. Oh, no. Would anybody in our Facebook group or who listens to us be interested in um, a Creepy Girls book club? Because I'm genuinely looking into finding creepy books to read and go live and talk about with people. I don't know what book we'd start out with. Do you have any recommendations? Not off the top of your head. No. Which is really upsetting because I have some good books. Yeah, I have, I have some, uh, I have some thoughts. Weird I may take a poll. Weird topic, by the way, because I'm like, oh, it's just a book from school, but I realize criminology books aren't that cool. Like, I want to make sure that they're true crime, that they're like a real mm-hmm. thing that happened. I don't want fiction because I want like I want. I- I want real life because it's so much more compelling. Do you want a weird Texas criminal law fact? What is your weird Texas criminal? We still have a statue against homosexuality in Texas. What? It's still not appealed. It's still in the textbooks and it's still in our law books. No one enforces it, but it's still, I can bring you the book and show you. Well, there's also rules like you can't put ducks in the bathtub or something stupid like that. There's rules like... If the woman tells you to help her have a uh, unlawful abortion, a man will be put in jail, but a woman won't. What? So, this is episode number two. It's very confusing because our campfire stories, I'm not calling episodes. So, it's our third recording, episode number two. Uh, so, we'll be back with another round of... We'll try to do non-murder uh, so we'll be recording another round. We're going to pick something preferably not murder since we've done murder. Maybe twice. we'll do a poll. So let me wrap this up. All right. So if you're not in our Facebook group, you should, because so far everyone's super cool. We are now on iTunes. We are on Stitcher. We are on Google Play. Spotify. We're, um, yeah, we should be on Spotify any sure. day. And I am working on some other places, too. So, uh, you could now easily listen to us on your iPhone or your Android or the downloaded me on the Stitcher app. And you can find us. The Stitcher app is actually the second most popular 
way of listening to podcasts. Really? Yeah. That's what they say. Um, iTunes podcast app is obviously the mm-hmm. most popular. Uh, but then before Google Play is actually Stitcher. I would Spotify. Spotify just started. So that's why mm-hmm. now. I just started doing the podcast. Now it's probably going to pass up Stitcher. But yeah, Spotify is now is, is on the ball. I that, could so. see that for like Android users. Yeah. So anyways, all right, guys. Well, Rate, comment, like. Yes, Share. please leave comments, rate us. Um, if even if they're bad comments, hey, there's no such thing as bad publicity. I don't care. Hey, and we'll openly admit to you that we are really new at this podcasting thing, but we're totally into it. And every episode gets better. I'm looking at my Mac and how much better I'm doing on it right now. <laughs> so, um, yeah, every episode's going to get better. Uh, I appreciate all of you who have joined our group and are finding us on different platforms. Please, yes, like subscribe, leave comments. Anything that you do can get us bumped up and get us more noticed. I also think if you're local to Houston, we might be organizing a meet and greet, meet and greet trip to the... You know, if there was people in Austin, I wouldn't mind an Austin meet and greet. I wouldn't mind going. Yeah, I, that's very oh, true. I could but, go but for some Houston, Austin barbecue. Houston has a, a museum of funeral history. That's not the... Anyone want to meet at the prison museum? <laughs> yeah, we go to Huntsville and go see the electric chair. Ooh, old Sparky. You know, they use prisoners to mow the lawn, and it kind of throws me off when I'm walking to, like, Sonic. Sure. Also, we have a really cool listener who's a correctionals nurse. Oh, yeah. I just saw that. I haven't seen if she commented back, though. But Yeah. So welcome all the new people that are just finding us. Make sure you go back and listen to episodes one in the first Campy Creepfire story. Hang also, on. Campy Creepfire story? What is that? Please message us, preferably me, with your correctionals facility nurse stories. I would love to hear that. Oh, yes. And if you want, we can read it on the podcast because that's... I would be super interested. If you have any amazing, creepy personal stories, we'd love to hear them. Our email is creepygirlspodcast at gmail.com. If you put creepy girl podcast, it won't go to us. And you can send us whatever stories. we. If we get some good ones, we may actually have like a, a mini soda your stories where we just throw a couple random ones in here and there so um thanks guys so much for listening keep it creepy 